Hey guys, welcome to the latest episode of the SaaS Sessions podcast. Today we have Arjun Pillai on the show. Arjun is the co-founder and CEO of Incent.ai. Incent is a real-time B2B customer acquisition platform engaging prospects earlier in their buying cycle. Something which help you increase your conversions, which any marketer would definitely you know want. Arjun also co-founded Profoundus, which was you know later acquired by Full Contact. And you know, fun fact about Profoundus and Arjun, like it was the first ever product exit in Kerala in the history. So such a pleasure to have you on the show, Arjun. Absolutely. Thanks a lot, Sunil, for having me. Um, uh-huh. Excited to be here. Yes. So I, I want to talk about more on Profoundus as well. So I, and you know, I gave a very brief intro about you. So I'm very sure that, you know, the listeners would want to know more on you and how the, like you're the guy who did the first product exit in Kerala, which is like really interesting. So tell us about you and, you know, your journey and how was Profoundus created and more about that. We'll talk. Sure. Yeah. Your intro was pretty good. I'd say Mm -hmm. I'm an engineer by education, graduated in 2010, was Mm -hmm. with Infosys for one and a half years or so always wanted to do something of my own right from my engineering days. I didn't really know what that meant. All I knew at that point of time was I wanted to do something of my own. And I Mm -hmm. think at some point of time, I realized that I wanted to do something related to product and not Mm -hmm. to services, you know, because everything in my mind was product can do more scale. And I didn't know about much scale, but that was the thought process. And then, so one and a half years into Infosys, I resigned and then started off Profoundus in 2012, April, March, April timeframe. I was with the company. I ran that company for four and a half years until 2016, August. That's when we exited to full contact. And yeah, the company grew from like four to 72 people. We were four co-founders, grew to 72 people, mm-hmm. raised a couple of rounds, went through a couple mm-hmm. of accelerators. On the exit, Full Contact wanted me to move over to the headquarters location here in, in the US, Denver, Colorado. Mm-hmm. So I did that, took up the head of data strategy role there, was there for about two years, moved on, and then consulted for a bunch of companies until late 2018. And then I kind of saw this whole conversational paradigm, especially in the B2B domain coming together. And I, I was excited about doing something there. And that's mm-hmm. how I started Incent. So end of 2018, along with one co-founder who has been my friend for a long time, we started Incent. And mm-hmm. uh, today Incent has about 23 people and we are a seed funded company. We are also a tech nice. stars company mm-hmm. and early customers growing pretty well, like 30, 40, 30, 40% month on month growing. And yeah. Yeah. No, we, we'll talk about Incent like you know for sure but before that sure. let's let i want to dig more on profoundness right like starting in 2012 and you know in in kerala like in coaching mm-hmm. and then you know and selling it to full contact obviously many people stream right like many entrepreneurs team even today there are many coaching startups that are out there SaaS companies who also would have mm-hmm. same dreams not maybe sell out but definitely you know go big for sure and you did that like, you know, eight years back when SaaS was not a thing as it is now. So how did you start? Like, you know, what was the turning point for you? Like, you know, hey, this, this is the thing that I want to start. Like, what, how was the idea stroke? Like, you know, strike you back then in 2012? Yeah, it's one of those things, right? When you look back, you, you look like you were, you were a very smart person taking all these decisions <laughs> and doing yeah. all these things. But from, from where I was, let's, if I rewind myself back to 2011, it's like, I didn't really know what I was getting into. 
that mm-hmm. is probably the reason why i ended up starting if i knew mm-hmm. that it was so difficult then i don't know if i would have started right mm-hmm. honestly yeah so when i started i didn't have an idea of b2b b2c even i didn't even know the word startup for saas was obviously unheard of so i the the first very first idea that i had was i wanted to build a better mail mail client mm-hmm. something like a call email or whatever these guys superhuman or those guys are doing okay. now mm-hmm. but i just hated the whole gmail interface at that point of time and i just thought that there was a much better way to do it mm-hmm. uh, that was the idea basically so it was not b2b not saas it was more like a b2c or a b2p business to professionals kind of a thing we didn't we didn't do it because my co-founders my friends they told me that there is thunderbird there is outlook there are all these big players yeah. <laughs> so you will not be able to build it out Mm-hmm. and i mean knowing now i would have definitely gone ahead and built that out because i know a little bit more now but at uh-huh. that point of time it felt like a, a kind of a very difficult game to play mm-hmm. so we didn't do that we started in a typical bootstrapping fashion we did outsource projects took that money and started doing products mm-hmm. we actually tried four products in the first two years almost like six months pivot six months pivot oh, no. <laughs> like all four of them failed in fact we had a couple of small products in the side those also failed so the fourth product when i was doing the sales i was the sales guy i was doing calls like this right we are on either side of a skype at that time so i was doing these researches of people who is on the other side who is this yeah. person and i took like 30 40 minutes to do that research mm-hmm. and i was like if i'm spending 40 minutes the other sales people are also spending 40 minutes maybe mm-hmm. there is a better way to do it using technology right so the fifth product became a customer intelligence solution because we ended up solving my problem right mm-hmm. so that's how we built the best products are, i think built uh, using like you know hey someone is facing some problem hey let me try to solve that and that becomes a product which becomes a multi million dollar company exactly uh, paul graham of my community says that the best entrepreneurs are the ones that solves their problem yeah exactly so um yeah definitely that gave us a little bit of um you know smooth cushion like we knew the product problem that we were solving so mm-hmm. in my opinion having closeness to the problem is the closest that you get to solving it mm-hmm. so we had real closeness to it that's okay. how we built out the first chrome plugin then we did a bunch of customer interviews that's how we realized that the data that we are delivering makes sense more for a b2b use case Mm-hmm. then on the b2b use case we tried a bunch of things we did a a, a chrome integration with pipe drive which was just mm-hmm. coming up at that point yeah. of time i spoke mm-hmm. with andreas the co-founder there then i spoke with uh, methild at front app you know mm-hmm. krish charge b krish charge b yeah a bunch of these good people right and that's how the b2b version evolved we had an api that we rolled out we had apps with zendesk fresh desk pipe drive salesforce app was getting built so you know it's over a period of time right that's why i said looking back it feels like it was a smart decision and mm-hmm. gutsy decision to do b2b saas and data and all of that thing it just happened and i was right. there when it happened that's all makes sense like you know uh, really interesting thing and then when you said like now you would definitely build out like a few talking about a few failed products right like definitely <laughs> now you would go and build out a email client right <laughs> if you still can but obviously there are like superhuman this hey which is uh, sort of an email yeah. client but again redefining the whole email experience but then i'm really excited about this new thing by you know andreessen horowitz which is like called like product zeitgeist fit right so it it 
what it actually means is there's a time for each product so like it, it's not in the zeitgeist like if you even if you would have started a new email client disrupting the whole outlook and thunderbird and like other normal different email clients which are popular back then this would have not been you know accepted by the market because the market is not ready for it right uh, it's something like that but it's something so the product zeitgeist fit is something that talks about it like what a16z mentioned is like income share agreements like if they would have been there like you know probably 5 10 years back no one would have batted an eye but now it's like right. very popular right so yeah. <laughs> it's not in the zeitgeist yeah. at that time but i think it's in the zeitgeist now same thing happened with bitcoin as well like like a lot sure. of examples right which which are out there like create products now but then similar products which are built like 10 15 years ago which failed uh, absolutely market yeah back during those days um not in 2012 but a little after that came mailbox uh, i don't know yeah. if you remember mailbox yeah. which got later acquired by dropbox yeah so there were different mail clients that came in and tried to do something interesting of course superhuman and polymail and those some of these hey and these guys are the latest in my opinion every 5 to 10 years the paradigm changes exactly and yeah. then there is obviously a, an opportunity for regardless of the competition in the landscape right people talk about competition i don't think about it in that way but every 5 um, to 10 years there's a paradigm change and in 5 to 10 years the architecture the thought processes of a product that was built 10 years back would be old unless the founders are so good and they keep reinventing themselves yeah. most of the cases 5 to 10 years it gets old and you have an opportunity to go and disrupt it right like i think salesforce has done beautifully with the lightning experience recently they have like moved everything to lightning which is like a better experience for their all of their products so i think sure. you know that that totally makes sense too but coming back to talking about profoundness right like 2012 mm-hmm. company starting out like four failed products there's no i could imagine there's no clear thing you guys also also worried being on the founding team that you know what to do you have teams working mm-hmm. with you and like you know how do you scale right then you found that this one maybe silver lightning or a ray of hope <laughs> i would say yeah. or something that you know hey now you have a product and now you can like actually build and you know you can sell more more of this this particular product and now you have to scale up right so yeah. how did you scale up in that particular environment like i i remember we, uh, we talking about this before like you mentioned you went from four people to around 8 70 people before you actually sold to full contact so how That's was right. that like journey like because in the early stage i think you know co-founder has to like you know when you're hiring you have to sell the company to the like you know your, your employee as well you have to sell your idea you have to sell your vision and you know they should yeah. buy in it's not just an employee and you know employer relationship it more like you know it's it's very close or it's very different for the first 50 or 100 people so how do you how do you sure. build that particular thing back in 2012 yeah um so 2012 we were a small team right yeah. we only had like 20, one person mm-hmm. and then 20, by 2014 is when the when the vibe the product the customer intelligence yeah, yeah. solution started taking shape at that point of time we were seven people Mm-hmm. so part of the reason why even during that two years we were motivated and other people were motivated to join us um was right. because we had small successes on the way like right. you know we were the first company from kerala to get selected to microsoft mm-hmm. ventures in bangalore second mm-hmm. batch you know we got selected to startup chile accelerator one out of the three companies in india then we mm-hmm. got selected to black box in silicon valley which is the only company from india the first and only company from india so we had these small small successes in between we did a pretty big project for vodafone Um, mm-hmm. so these small small successes in my opinion makes a huge bit of difference which also pushed a lot of pr for us in kerala in makes terms sense. of uh, you know in mm-hmm. newspapers 
so that that was a big piece of the motivation other people knowing us profound is kind of becoming a, a little bit of a name having a getting a little bit of a name then the early people joined not because of the company or the product or the service it's because of the people mm-hmm. the first person joined us because my cto anup and he used to work together mm-hmm. so he trusted anup so much that he was like boom anup he came yeah. our first mm-hmm. client came because they, we had anup and that guy trusted anup so much that the right. first project came so mm-hmm. a lot of that happens because of the founders uh, in the early stages so up to 7 that's how it happened then later on we started you know like all all this helped plus additionally we were, at least at my stage we were i was able to articulate what we were doing mm-hmm. you know like putting it into uh, into like hey here is the problem statement here is the solution here is the market here is the space here is the potential mm-hmm. growth opportunity so i was able to articulate it in a pretty decent way and we also raised money so it was not only the dream we were able to give some salary not competitive not market mm-hmm. but some salary enough for people to take a leap of faith and right. we also gave stock options mm-hmm. so yeah it was a combination of all of these i'd say trusting people was the top then yeah then the all the rest of it was kind of behind makes that. sense your first few people who join uh, should also buy in on your journey or your, what your vision is right like and definitely Absolutely. i think those stock options would definitely work for them in the end right and the trust yeah. of it, it was all good uh, turned out really great for them yeah in fact there was very one interesting thing that happened sunil so we didn't have money to pay right so what we did is we said that hey we ta- will take care of your accommodation and transport accommodation oh. meaning we have a house you can stay there Uh, oh, transport yeah. means i have a bike you can use it that's what it means but Makes so sense. that was a way for us to kind of enable them to take less salary mm-hmm. but what ended up happening is the initial i think up to like 12 people we ended up being in the same place because all of us were bachelors right and so like a two bedroom three bedroom four bedroom then a villa so we kept growing the company home uh, mm-hmm. and we grew to like 12 people or something in that space Nice. so we cook together we eat together we go for movies together you know all these 12 people so the kind of bond that got created was based on transparency trust love respect all of this nice um, nice that we didn't know that it was happening it was not intentional mm-hmm. but that ended up being a really good platform for the company that, and these mm-hmm. people told good things about the company which let uh, other right. people to join the company kind of network effect but really interesting or a great experience that would have been right those the, the place where you are working and staying at the same place uh, with a bunch of people who you know believe in the same things that you do uh, really great uh, experience i would imagine and then what's the one thing that like you know looking back all these years going back to 20 well 2014 days for you so what what's the one thing that with with profound is that you would like you know if you got a chance to go back in time and you know tell yourself like you know hey don't do this right so what's the one thing that you would tell yourself and also on the contrary like what's the one thing you would say like you know hey you're doing this but you should do this more like this is right basically yeah yeah yeah, yeah. the one thing that i would probably do less of is i would take myself more seriously you know there were many instances in our journey where i trusted other people more than myself i'm not saying you shouldn't have mentors i believe in mentors and advices but it's up to the ceo or the founders to kind of put your filters on top and make sure that you don't get influenced just like that 
right so i i had i i didn't have enough confidence to trust myself that i trusted others more than myself you should trust others but not more than yourself right so right sometimes your gut feeling is probably better than a 50 year experience person's views because mm-hmm. you see a perspective that you only see right and that mm-hmm. person will not have the same perspective so that i have learned right and that is not one instance i can like go back and find like 50 instances where i screwed up because of this <laughs> then one thing that i sh- i i should have done a lot more mm-hmm. i paused my life between 23 years to 27 years mm-hmm. right like i literally paused my life I, there was there was only company yeah i didn't do anything else right like i was all the time 24 by 7 working i slept little only a little and then yeah it was company company work 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 i ne- mm-hmm. i didn't even go for movies or you know those kinds of things staying with friends was always fun and happiness so i was happy that is different but i could have done more in with my life right mm-hmm. uh, two two hours uh, two hours away my parents were leaving and i didn't go every week or every two weeks i used to yeah. go less frequently right now i am in america they are in, in in india i'm like wish i had more time with them Mm-hmm. right so makes sense i think now what i ha- i keep telling myself and all of my team members is you cannot pause life life happens so right. while you are at the company while you are working hard go live your life also mm-hmm. that's probably totally. the thing that nice interesting that's really great and then and then let's let's you know shift gears and maybe talk about incent right like fast forward mm-hmm. about 6 years from profoundness right five six years when when the exit happened like profoundness we'll talk about incent so you're currently building incent so that time you saw were trying to solve a different problem before with profoundness now you're trying to solve the b2b conversational marketing problem so why why this problem right like what gaps did you see like i would have, when i hear conversational marketing i hear a drift like <laughs> yeah uh, so sure. obviously like when you started you would have had some things in mind like you know hey this is not being happening correctly or this is something which is missing so what was yeah. that and what kind of motivated or you know pushed you to start incent yeah there are a lot of things actually so if you think about conversation if you think about conversational marketing you think about drift because you know they coined the term uh, yeah. conversational marketing but if you think about conversations or chats obviously chats uh, existed a long 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 mm-hmm. before drift existed yeah. and yeah and that includes you know live chat and intercom and zopim which zendeskate required mm. so my fundamental belief is that the future of b2b buying and selling a lot of that will be real time mm-hmm. or via instant messaging right i'm not saying emails are going to get killed or anything like that yeah. i'm just saying that there will be a lot more real time component that is added getting added to the whole buying and selling process mm-hmm. and we are talking only b2b now because that's what i know b2c i don't really know much drift has done some interesting things but i i think that they are still only doing a small piece of it there is a lot more to be done Explore. i'll give, give you an example in 2000 mailchimp started they started with emails mm-hmm. right and then 2004 2005 2006 eloqua came up pardot came up hubspot came up Mm-hmm. marketo came up right between 3 years i think all of those guys came up all of those guys i'm sure they saw mailchimp right but they decided that you know what they are mailchimp is doing something with emails but mm-hmm. they are only doing a little bit there is so much more you can it's, do by exactly. doing right so in in some way i'm thinking about in that fashion right nice. and drift and as i think ideologically we have a difference that when we started the company 
we clearly said that we follow a human first conversational platform mm-hmm. right and chatbot is an assistant to humans mm-hmm. right so that's the clear uh, ideology with which we behave you know mm-hmm. we support the higher acp longer sales cycle deals than the transactional deals so we have we only focus on the mid market companies selling at slightly higher acvs when i say higher acvs their product acv is typically 15000 20000 or north of that yeah and then so we are more like a a platform that enables these kinds of things than trying to get the email mm-hmm. right so if you look at our platform the workflows that we have the deep integrations that we have everything suits the mid market sales motion and our product roadmap consists of a ton of things that will push the b2b conversations to the horizons that hopefully the world has not seen now mm-hmm. makes sense that's really interesting and then what are the different things that are fueled by instant.ai right let's say if if i am a company i implement instant.ai like what should i expect right what what exactly happens and what metrics would be impacted and you know what new things i would start seeing in my funnel with instant yeah yeah before talking about the kpis the first thing to um, think about is today as of today right 80% of the b2b buyers want the companies to interact with them in real time mm-hmm. so there's a strong customer behavior change that has happened over the past few years because of which chat today is a very very important channel it's not a good to have it's almost like a must have today without right. chat there is a probability that you are not going to be able to give the kind of customer experience that the customers are expecting and and that it that that by itself is difficult to measure because how do you measure a customer experience or a new prospect experience tough to measure but in mm-hmm. terms of the kpis and this is based on some of the customers that we see our our customers see somewhere between there is a range they see mm-hmm. between 3% to 10% engagement on chat which means out of 100 people engaging 3 to 10 people will engage with the chat and have some form of a conversation either with a mm-hmm. chat bot or with a human being Mm-hmm. um there are customers of ours who are getting 50% of their opportunities getting either generated through or accelerated via incent so incent mm-hmm. is not just generating new leads that is definitely one key piece of the value prop but the other piece is also we accelerate the existing sales cycles mm-hmm. so we so by by generating this kind of engagement typically companies get like 10 to 20% new leads makes sense uh, in their funnel and the sales acceleration is also the the sales cycles gets reduced by 5 to 15% right and all, all of these are different different kpis there are some leading indicators also like for example the dwell time the average dwell time on a on a website increases by 20 seconds the bounce yeah. rate goes down by 4% so mm-hmm. there are all these anecdotal uh, more like yeah different kpis that we keep track of yeah I- interesting and then are are these conversational platforms replacing forms or are they complementing forms or as a company i should use forms and these both or like you know how does that work like in your experience or from your expertise yeah yeah i know the reason why you are asking is because drift talks about no forms and that's how we <laughs> uh, came to yeah that system. and i i've seen people talking about like you know for using forms versus using like you know a chatbot to just do the same thing at like a form would to i think typeform is also uh, a good example where like you know everyone creates a form but then typeform creates like you know it's in a very different format right like than yeah. other forms so it's more it's more yeah. like you know one question at a time and then it's more like you know feels like you're talking to a bot or 
uh, like an yeah. ai assistant or something like that so yes yeah. <laughs> i i tend to disagree with it actually you know uh-huh. in my opinion people don't hate forms mm-hmm. a form if you look at it people hate long forms right something that has 12 fields people hate it clearly mm-hmm. right every new for field would reduce the response rate by 34% that is true mm-hmm. but if you are asking like four things that are specifically in front of the buyer i think in some way that form is better than something that asks one question one question one question one question mm-hmm. right so in my opinion people are not hating the forms it is not the form factor that they are hating they hate the, the fact that mm-hmm. when i submit the form i have to wait for 5 days to hear back from the company makes sense mm-hmm. so an average response time from a company today is 42 hours after i submit yeah. a form that is the average right yeah average the difference is the long tail is low so on an average there are companies that takes 5 days to respond to forms that experience is what people hate it's not the mm. forms yeah. right because in the given circumstance i am researching something i have mind space for a product right now mm-hmm. right i cannot wait for 42 hours because i have a question <laughs> now yeah right so what we have done very uh, interestingly at incend is we have integrated we have something we call as form based acceleration what mm-hmm. that means is when somebody submits a form depending on which company is submitting the form incend has the ability to identify and qualify that account in real time when they mm-hmm. submits it and if they are a good account or they have cleared some form of engagement score inside incend then incend platform would pop up immediately and we'll say and and our our customers have the ability to do a few configurations here either they can give an account executives calendar or they can uh, pipe that chat directly into a a sales person or you know just help them to take the next step immediately basically yeah. rather than making them wait in my experience 60 to 70% of the submissions continue to be on the forms and i have spoken with uh, customers who are using all the competitor names that we mentioned Mm-hmm. even in those cases 70 to 80% of the submission continues to be on a form yeah so whether we like it or not people definitely like forms and it is not yeah, going yeah. anywhere no i completely agree again like the whole experience of how a form functions after i submit that's also something which is really important to be taken care of but you know exactly. very wisely just popping up a, a chat bot which says hey why wait and you can just book a meeting now right something right. something like that which is like actionable as well yeah totally true and then what's coming up like in in incent like you know is there something that you can share which is like you know building that you guys are building under the hood or something yeah yeah no the 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 company is growing very well like i said in the in when we started the we are growing at like 30 40% month on mm-hmm. month now which is pretty pretty good and we are adding people very quickly the number of people um, in the company is growing um so from all of that the company is in a very good position we are yeah from a from a company fundraising every standpoint we are good now where the focus is we are actually um trying to envision the future of conversations of mm-hmm. b2b conversations so and again that is when i say future of b2b conversations that is very capped for the b2b uh, mid market kind of conversation we we cannot support the transactional and and the enterprise and the mid market so we have mm-hmm. big mid market as our space and what we are trying to do is we are trying to integrate more closely into their workflows mm-hmm. we are we are building incent to be a unified platform that they can use across their customer life cycles mm-hmm. like not only sales and marketing but how can we bring together support and success 
mm-hmm. you know so we, that's that's where we are putting a lot of our mind on yeah and again i don't want to talk a lot about the roadmap but <laughs> yeah. but there are some really really cool features which are coming out and there are also a few add-ons that uh, mm-hmm. uh, are under works nice. they're also in the process of partnering with some of the well-known martech companies out there so you mm-hmm. you would see some some announcements uh, nice, on nice. that front too no it just helps me paint a picture and just want to point it out that this is not a sponsored episode <laughs> at all <laughs> it's just like i am very curious about like you know what's happening in the conversational marketing space really great to see you know one more player like even though you're saying that you know conversational marketing is there love to see some you know healthy competition to like drift and intercoms out there like really excited about what's what's next yeah so i mean this this was really interesting i let's let's move on to the lightning round i i ha- i generally ask like three questions but one of them i asked during the while we were talking itself okay. so i have like two for you now like you know what mm-hmm. out of the first one is what did your biggest professional failure teach you that you can fail actually that's what it taught me you know like there was a my biggest professional failure definitely taught that i can i can, you know regardless of where you think you are uh, failure could just come in the next second mm-hmm. so i mean that's what it taught and that also teaches in some way to be grounded and being humble yeah, and all of that mm-hmm. be prepared to fail basically right like it it should not come to you as a it will come to you as a surprise but then if it comes then <laughs> on the back of the mind yeah. you're always ready with your defense uh, exactly nice and then the last one like what's the number one thing that has helped you shorten your learning curve talking to people talking to very nice. intelligent people and uh, that's probably the single thing that i i don't read a ton of books i do read a little not a ton i read a lot of uh, small small blogs and articles you know maybe some podcasts so but i think i have i'm i've been fortunate that i'm connected to the right people like you know nice. former vp of adobe salesforce uh, madison logic demand base all of these folks are investors to us and i have the good fortune to interacting with some of the smartest people in the marketing paradigm they are the most educated buyers out there in the world mm-hmm. today so every conversation is teaching me quite a bit nice. if you are open to it and then you know nice like that's why i remember in our last conversation <laughs> yeah. you taught me about podcasts and you know how how the whole thing works right like yeah. i didn't know anything about it so mm-hmm. that is that's how i learned yeah that's that's my mantra right like that's what i've been yeah. doing for the past 5 6 years now and it's really kept me going it's helped me like again just like you right made the right connections yeah. but also work like you know in making those connections not like those happen overnight and you know they re- reached out we have to like you know be at it be persistent and be totally doing uh, like you know good stuff uh, on the parallel as well but yeah really great connecting arjun so awesome talking to you it's so much insights uh, in just what what we discussed about scaling up and you know about building selling and different stuff really interesting loved it so yeah thanks a lot for taking time and you know being on the show absolutely yeah i enjoyed the conversation time flew by thanks a lot sunil um, i'm i i hope this added value or this will yeah, yeah. add value to a bunch of people out there yeah yeah for sure